0: We're in a series right now entitled Bible Words. This morning we're talking about a word called sanctification. Sanctification, you may see in your Bible sometimes as the word sanctify. It's a word that means being set apart, particularly in our salvation, which will result in the believer being set apart for Christian living. See, the real goal to know Christ as our Savior is salvation. But then what do we do with the rest of our lives? Do we continue just living as if we never knew Christ at all? Or as a result of knowing Christ, do we live differently? And how do we live differently? Is it in our own strength, in our own ability, or is it through Jesus Christ? I'm going to walk through some things very quickly this morning. And I'm going to begin with an illustration. An illustration about a caterpillar. Because you ever thought to yourself how ridiculous it is, and maybe the God's sense of humor, that a caterpillar will fly? And you look at a caterpillar in its present state, some squishy little bug. You look at that caterpillar and you tell that caterpillar, fly. And it could have all the faith of the greatest caterpillar ever to live and jump off the limb, but as a caterpillar, it will never fly. And it's ridiculous to think so. But over the course of time, when it goes from being an egg into the caterpillar, into the chrysalis, the little, the little thing that sits in there, I don't know what God does during that, that chrysalis stage, and it takes this, this gooey, little, slimy caterpillar and turns it into something magnificent as a butterfly, and then it can fly. And as ridiculous as it is to think caterpillar fly, in a similar way, talking to a believer in Jesus Christ and saying, in your own strength, in your own ability, go be like Christ. But over the course of time, as God molds us and shapes us and takes us from our old form into our new form and over the course of time we become more like christ the scripture says in 2 corinthians chapter number three verse 18 beholding the glory of the lord are being transformed. That's that word that we see with caterpillars in the metamorphosis. That's that Greek word right there. And the metamorphosis, the total transformation and change, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That last line there. This comes from the Lord who is Spirit. It is God who gives us the ability to change. It is God who gives you the ability to be and live like Christ, not like the world around us. And there are so many opportunities and distractions to live like the world. It's something incredibly unique to live like Christ. Our principle for today is this. Jesus' salvation sets me apart to grow more christ Like, And we're going to look this morning at a number of different Bible verses, and if you can follow along in your Bibles, that's great. If not, they'll be on the screen for you to follow, and they're in your bulletin to follow along with the references. We see the old way of living versus the new way. In the book of Romans, chapter number 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul is writing and he's laying out a long thought in this book of Romans. He starts off with the beginning and laying down some serious charges of how guilty we are as people because of our sin. And then he continues on and he, he lays out how that without Christ, we have absolutely no hope and we are guilty of, even if we commit one sin, we're guilty of all. And then he continues on and we get to chapter number six and he comes to the, the thought should we just live the old way because we're Christians? Should we just live as if we're we're getting into heaven anyway, therefore it should it not change our lives? And in the book of Romans, chapter number six verse nineteen it says, I am speaking in human terms. So he's saying I'm gonna give you a really practical illustration here. Because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity. So here's his illustration. He's calling the old way of living. We were under the control of or slaves of impurity and to lawlessness. And the result was leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness or under the control of righteousness or under the control of Jesus' salvation. The result is leading to sanctification. That definition for sanctification, again, being set apart in salvation, resulting in the believer being set apart for Christian living. Through the course of this series so far, we looked at several different words. We looked at the word justification. And justification is at the moment of salvation, much like a God being a judge, sits in a courtroom and says, not guilty. And we are declared not guilty. And we looked at that word uh, several weeks ago. And that's the declaration of you are declared not guilty. Then After that, we are brought into the family of God and we're declared part of God's family. And that's the word adoption that we looked at. And then we see to ourselves, how are we now to live? And God gives us the beautiful word of God, the Bible, through his inspiration. And we understand how to be saved, how to live our lives, how to treat others, how to love our spouses, how to care for others, how and what's going to happen to us in the future. And that's inspiration. And then we look at others and we realize that through the word edification, we can build up others to become more like Christ. And the result is they think. To encourage and build us up so we become more like Christ as we serve others. And then from that, we see the now what. This is not. Salvation, as in earning our salvation, it's the result of our salvation. Because we have been justified, because we've been adopted, because we have the Word of God, because we have edification, we now see sanctification, where now we have the ability to live a different life, not to earn our salvation, but because of our salvation. Someday, we will live in what's called sinless perfection with glorification, where we have the new bodies. We'll no longer have the sin nature, and that's the word glorification. As we walk through this this morning, I have two points. We're going to start off really basic. Sanctification defined. Sanctification defined. To understand sanctification, though, we must first understand another word, the word holiness. And oftentimes when you think of things of God, you think of the word holy God. The Bible is referred to, and my Bible says, holy Bible. The word holy literally means to be set aside for something special. There's a number of things in your house that have been set aside for something special. I remember as a child, my mother had her china set and as a child, we never touched the china cabinet. I mean, we were well-threatened children, and we never touched the, the china cabinet. And on very rare and special occasions, my mother would bring it out and dust it off. And some other people would use the china in order to drink tea. And then as we became adults, I think twice in my life, maybe three times, I've used my mother's china very carefully, because in a very real way, it's holy. It's been set aside for something special. But in a spiritual sense, we look at God, and God is separate from us. And God, yes, he's our friend. Yes, he's our father. But we don't take him flippantly. We look at the Old Testament and how what took place in the, the temple, and they had different implements that were called holy, and they would sanctify them and set them apart and purify them in order to be used in the worship of God. In order to be understand holiness, we must understand that God is holy. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, it says, As obedient children, Do not be conformed to the passions of your formal ignorance. Don't go back to the old way of living. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Why? Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. That's what God says. You be holy because I'm holy. He says, I've set you apart. I've saved you and I have set you apart. You are no longer the old way anymore. We're initially at salvation. We experience sanctification. And then progressively grow in our Christian walk over time. And ultimately, that final sanctification leads to glorification. We're called to live differently, but not in our own strength and our own ability. It's through Christ. So that sanctification defined, I have two P words for you. The first P word is positional sanctification. And that's the declaration of God. We've seen a number of different declarations. God declares us not guilty. He declares us part of his family. And now we are declared to be sanctified with a moment of salvation. Or he says, I've set you apart for something special. You stop thinking about in your own life. There's certain things in your own life, and you're thinking about your the, the things that you have, and they are special, and normally they're special for a period of time. If you get a new car... That's special for a period of time until it becomes the old car. And for a long time, you wash it really carefully. You make sure your feet are clean before you get in. And you look at it and you think, this is special for a period of time. But over the course of time, it becomes less and less special. And you just live normal life. We're the opposite. Over the course of time, we become more and more Christ-like in our conduct, not to earn our salvation, but because of our salvation. And we have positionally been declared sanctified. And it says in Acts chapter 20, it says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. To be able to build you up, to give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. I underline some words on the screen. The word build up, that's the word edify. That inheritance has to do with our position because we are part of his family. We've been adopted into his family and we've been declared, set apart to become more like Christ. That's sanctified. We have freedom from the power of sin. So positionally, you are already set apart to be like Christ. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a new position. Romans chapter number 6, verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, now, remember that word slave has to be under the control of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. We have justified, we've been declared not guilty. We have freedom from the penalty of sin. But we also, through sanctification, have been set free from the power of sin. So oftentimes we see in our world, we say, well, I can't help myself. This is just ooh, the way I act. I can't help it when I get angry and I, and I have outbursts. I can't help it when I say those words or those thoughts come into my mind. I just couldn't help myself. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, positionally, we've been set free from that power of sin to live differently. That does not mean that we are sinlessly perfect. What it does mean is we're no longer under the power of sin. We can be in, under the power of Christ. Being set apart in salvation results in the believer being set apart to live like Christ. And God very graciously does it in this order. He doesn't say, get your life all sorted out. And once you are good enough, then I will accept you into my family. And then you can be justified. And then you can be adopted. Then you can be sanctified. Do you know what he does? It's quite the opposite. He says, come to me broken. Come to me with all of your failures. Come to me with every single one of your sins, past, present, and future. And he says, then from that, I'm going to make you clean, and then I'll help clean you up over time. We don't do this to earn our salvation. We do it because of our salvation. And we'd be very careful here not to become confused while in any way that we are earning our salvation, because it sometimes can sound like that. We can look at people and go, look how holy they are. Look how spiritual they look. Look how big their Bible is. And if you brought your Bible today, good for you, because those are all outward works. What it talks about here is how is God changing you on the inside? Things that you used to think were important are no longer important anymore because He replaced it with what's truly eternal. Your, your priorities begin to change. Your focus is the way that our actions come as a result of our priority changes. The way that we see our finances, the way that we see our time, the way that we see other people rather than means to win. end, we see them because we see someone that says Jesus Christ loves them too. We see positional sanctification, but we also see what's called progressive sanctification in a, in a very real way. Positional is in the past tense. If you know Christ as your Savior, in the past tense, positionally, you were declared sanctified. Now, in the present tense, we see progressive. It's a supernatural work of God growing in Christ-likeness. You ever ordered a package and have a tracking on it? And you see the tracking uh, follow along along the journey. It's my birthday month this month. Just letting you know, I like ice cream and Oreos and M&M's. What do you buy the man that has everything? You tell the man that has everything to buy his own gift so that he doesn't complain. That's my wife did. So I bought my own gift for my birthday, and I ordered it, and it's coming from Hong Kong. And I was watching the tracking. And even this morning, I clicked on it and I refreshed the page and saw how it was moving along. And it had left Hong Kong and arrived in Sydney and passed through customs. And it's waiting in Sydney. Somewhere between Sydney and Perth is my birthday present. You look at it and you think to yourself, uh, you do the same thing, I'm sure. Hurry up. Come on, hurry up. And you can't wait for it to go along where it says out for delivery. And you know it's coming today. And you click on the computer later and go delivered. You go, excellent, it's there. I often will ring up my wife and say, do I have a package there? Yes, it arrived. We get impatient because when we order something, we want it immediately. I want it to go faster. And we see the various steps and all the things involved in getting a pack- package from Hong Kong to Dayelop of all places and all across the world, it has to travel. And you realize there's so many steps along the journey, but we go, but I want it now. With progressive sanctification, we understand that our moment of salvation, we did not become sinlessly perfect. There's no halo above your head and oh, noise going around you as if you're perfect. We understand that we're still sinners, but we've been saved by grace. And so, therefore, we now live differently because we are saved. And as we progress along in the Christian life, as we get into God's Word, we understand there's a supernatural work of God that changes our character, and it results in a change of our action. I'm going to say that one more time. God changes our character, and it results in changing our action. We don't change our action to change our character. And what we see in the scripture is we have the blessing and the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And some of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict us when we do wrong, to help us to understand the word of God. And he says he will reveal truth to us. And as we delve into and learn more about our Bibles, when we delve more into scriptures, we understand, as we read our Bibles, we learn as time goes on. And as as a Christian, I came to know the Lord as my Savior as a young child. I grew up in church. And there's a lot of things that you may have grown up in church too, And you know how to do church. You know, we know how to sit down. We know when to stand up. We know which chairs not to sit in. You know how to do church. You can go through the motions of church. But what we understand is as we delve into the Word of God, we learn more. And every single day, I read my Bible, and I hope that you do too and it's not to be spiritual. It's because I want to grow in my relationship with God. And as time goes on, I'm discovering how little I know. And as I'm learning more and more, I'm delving more into the Word of God and growing as a result. And you can do that too. And we don't do it by ourselves. That's why we have the local church. So we have the Holy Spirit who guides us and convicts us. We have the Word of God, the Bible that teaches us, and we do it together in community in our local church and that affects our ministry it affects the way that we do things and why we do things on the screen we have first peter chapter 2 verse 2 it says like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation it's the word of god that changes us and grows us in our salvation we know more about him It goes on in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're challenged there to grow because healthy things grow. When we grow in grace and knowledge, we begin to see how it affects our lives. It affects our ministry. And ministry is is a word that's often used in church world. It's really everything you do in the name of Christ can be ministry and should be ministry. So therefore, it affects the way we look at others. It affects the way that we study our Bible because we get a hunger to know more. It affects our worship because it's true worship. It's not performance. And it becomes truly authentic worship. We understand that it also affects the message that we share and the way that we share it. We share, it says there, with grace. Understanding that everyone isn't on the journey at the same point that we are. Some people are ahead of us and some people are behind us. And it's so naturally frustrating when we see people that are ahead of us because we become jealous. We see people behind us and we think to ourselves with pride, thinking, why don't they know what we know? Why are they still struggling with things that I don't struggle with personally? When we understand, we grow in grace and knowledge. It affects our ministry and our Bible study and our worship and our our message. But we also understand this is a wonderful gift of God. That verse from the very beginning, beholding the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That wonderful transformation that we enjoy. One day will be in heaven. And in many ways, the way we live here on earth, if you think of it like we're practicing for heaven. The way we sing our worship, we're practicing for heaven. The way that we interact with others, let's be practicing for heaven. We have a paradox though. And here's an, an interesting paradox because remember I said before we have positional sanctification and with positional sanctification, we have been declared that we've been set apart in our salvation. And now we have progressive sanctification as we are growing in that relationship. And here's the paradox. We have the sanctification paradox. Christians are to become what they already are and one day will be. Now you have to chew on that one for a little while because that's a deep paradox because we have been declared set apart, and now we begin to live set apart, and one day we will actually be set apart as we are glorified in Christ. We have the sanctification defined, and then from that, we understand there's some serious barriers to our sanctification. We have some sanctification barriers. We understand that healthy things grow. If the worst was to come and we were to go into some sort of incredible lockdown where we had to provide for ourselves and provide for our own food, uh, my family would be one of the first to go. Uh, I do have some goldfish that may sustain us for a short period of time, but if it has to do with growing plants, I can keep, keep my long green, but we, we do have a lime tree that's producing finally after years. Other than that, we are, we, we're not great farmers. And we understand the concept in our head, if you water it, it's supposed to grow. And you, but there's so much more to that, and it's not just weeding, it's preparing the soil, and all these various things that I understand in my head, but living it out and actually doing the work, there's some serious barriers there, because I go, Woolworths is so much more convenient. How much money does this carrot cost me to grow and to fertilize when I can go down to the shops and buy it? Healthy things grow. In order to understand what we need, sometimes it's helpful to understand what we're not supposed to do. So to understand what we need to be doing, let's study and focus upon what we should not be doing for for a period of time this morning. And here's some barriers. We have five barriers to sanctification. I did adapt this from a theology book from a man named John MacArthur called Bible Doctrine. And so this is adapted from, from his theology book, First one is pride, because oftentimes we think to ourselves, look at me and how good I am. And here's the thought. One may think more highly of self than one ought and not pursue holiness as one should. So you look at that and you think to yourself, I'm pretty good compared to everyone else around me, so therefore... I'm good. I'll just maintain for a while because everyone else around me, look at them. Look how bad that person is. Could you imagine? Could you see what that person said? You see what that person wore? Or you imagine if we did that, we would never do that. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Comparison is a very dangerous place to be when we begin to compare ourselves to others. Because you will always naturally find someone that you think is worse than you. And as we grow and develop over time, we're all on a journey of growth and development. And some people grow quickly, other people grow comparatively slowly. We also see the barrier of presumption. The barrier of presumption. One may presume upon salvation and assume that since one is saved, holy living is optional. This is the proverbial get into heaven free card or the other side of that is get out of hell free card. And you think to yourself, well, I'm saved. Therefore, now I get to go out and live however I wish. And in Romans chapter number six, and I was speaking earlier how the Apostle Paul was teaching through some really hard things. And he comes to uh, Romans chapter six and seven. And he begins to ask the very important question. How are we now supposed to live? Should we just go and live the old way? Because we're saved. My eternity is secure. So should I just go out and live however I want to live? In a similar way, I'm a married man. So as a married man... I went through a wedding ceremony and I made vows and they said, you may now kiss your bride. I was given a ring. We signed papers. They went off to the government. Legally, I'm married. Does that mean now I get to go out and live however I want? My wife says, no. (laughs) I now live differently because I'm a married man. I remain faithful. I come home. I I seek to provide for my family. I seek to uplift and love my wife the way that Jesus Christ loves the church. And Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 says, and he's asking this question, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And he goes, By no means. Other versions of the Bible say, God forbid. How can we who died to sin still live in it? That doesn't mean that we become perfect. What it's saying here is our desires naturally change. We begin to desire the things of God, not the old way. Do we do that instantly? Not at all. It's progressively over time we become more like Christ. Some of you may vividly remember 1965. And there was a band that came out in 1965 with a song called I'm Free, called Rolling Stones. You may have heard of them before. And the song I'm Free is a generational anthem singing out the song. And I'm not going to sing it for you at all, but I will quote a couple lines. It says, I'm free to do what I want any old time. Oh, the 60s, right? I'm free to get what I want any old time and you look at that and you think to yourself are you really free to do whatever you want any old time are you free to get what you want any old time and that's really a lie that's given to us in reality we look at life and we presume that because we're saved we can live however we we want we have a new desire because god begins to change our character Remember, it's not to earn our salvation. It's because of our salvation we live differently. That becomes a barrier to sanctification. We also have the barrier of our practice or the way that we live life. One may have been erroneously taught about the nature of Christian living and so neglect the lordship of Christ. You can begin to look very Christian and you can dress nicely and i really to illustrate this point i should have worn a suit and tie today you dress like a like a christian you think a stereotypical christian should dress like and you talk and you use the language of a christian and on the outward appearance you look very spiritual and we begin to naturally rely upon our actions To please God rather than our position in Jesus Christ and the Lordship of Christ. They were speaking of is the fact that Jesus Christ is the one who saves us. He's the one that makes the change, not us. So we are no way are earning our salvation. Now, there's certain things that I do and I don't do because I'm a Christian. But it's not in order to earn my salvation or in replacement of Jesus Christ's salvation. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. And that defense in that particular verse is talking about, it says the defense is we're defending and telling Jesus Christ. The opposite of that with our practices, we say, I begin to defend my opinion of what Christians should w- look like and what we should act like, where we should go, and what we should not do. And we look at others and think, well, they're far less spiritual than us, and we don't see anyone in front of us. So we think to ourselves, I have almost arrived spiritually. And it's a natural thing that becomes a very serious barrier to our sanctification. That's really what I would call works-based salvation. And works-based salvation is very dangerous because it, it neglects Jesus Christ. We also see the barrier of sanctification being the priority or lack of priority. One may lack the zeal or energy to make holiness a priority. This is something that the church in Corinth in the bible there's two two books of the bible first and second corinthians are written to a real church that was going through some serious issues in their church there was immorality in the church there was infighting there was they were actually having communion together and getting drunk in these services like horrible things were taking place and the apostle paul was writing to them to correct them in what they were doing. And he reminds them of some incredible promises. In chapter number 7, verse 1, it says, Since we have these promises, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. That's the beginning of a chapter. Chapter number 7, verse 1, he says, Because we have these promises, now we live differently. So if you turn the page over to chapter number six, you'll see that the last three verses, he says, what are the promises? For we are the temple of the living God. God says, I will make my dwelling among them. We have God dwelling inside of us and walk among them. In our daily walk, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are there with us in our daily walk. And he goes, I will be their God and they shall be my people. And verse 18 goes on and says, I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty and then Paul goes to the next chapter and goes since we have these promises God says I'm going to be with you I'm going to walk with you I'm going to dwell with you I'm going to be your father and because of that now we live differently sometimes we're very hard to impress we look at the incredible gifts that God has given to us and we go "God, what have you done for me lately And we lack a a priority of the things of God because we go, I know Christ is my savior, but what has he done for me lately? We become unimpressed because we don't see the value of our salvation. We forget or neglect to remember what it cost God and Jesus Christ for your salvation and for my salvation. And much like a piece of artwork, you're a painting, and you go to an art gallery, and someone says to you, "This painting is priceless." And you may have done what I've done in the past—you looked at certain paintings and you go, particularly the impressionist art, and you go, "I could do that." And what makes this piece of artwork a masterpiece, and what makes it worth millions, where my piece of work of art I actually devalue the canvas by painting on it? What makes it valuable? It's not the canvas. It's not the paint. It's the artist and whose name is written on that piece of art that gives it value. And so often you have things that look very real and very impressive, but they found out to be forgeries. They found out to be fakes. And from that, they're worthless. We understand that our salvation costs Jesus Christ his life. He suffered for our sins. He rose from the dead in victory and is now preparing a place in heaven for us. And we look at that and we think to ourselves, God, what have you done for me lately? We must understand we have a priority of sanctification. And then finally, the final barrier is that of power. The wrong power source can be very dangerous. One may think that they are saved, but not truly be so. And then try to live a holy life in the power of the flesh. That's a way of saying, I'm going to do this in my own strength and my own ability. I've spoken with a number of people. When you ask them about their salvation, they may say, well, I've always been a Christian. And I understand what they mean is that they were born and raised in a family that took them to church and taught them Christian values. But that's not the same as salvation salvation isn't a heritage or a head knowledge salvation is a relationship with god through jesus christ i'm not going to take the time to read the matthew passage but that's a passage that talks about sowing and sowing into the fields and some people take it on and then they begin not to live it out correctly a number of years ago we have our missionary jeremy pinero and jeremy and his family as a child, he grew up in Vanuatu and now is a missionary himself, and our church supports them. Well, Jeremy has several siblings, and one of his siblings was a young woman now named Lydia. And Lydia, back in the 90s, came and visited our family in Perth. They had just arrived from Vanuatu back into Australia, and they told a story about another missionary family that had come from the United States, and they had brought a curling iron. And in the United States, you have 110 voltage in the power. And of course, in, in Vanuatu, like in Australia, it's 240 volts. They plugged in the curling iron in from 110 curling iron into the 240 plug. Well, what happens is it goes twice as hot. The young girls got in the bedroom and started curling their hair as girls of the 90s did. And she puts it across her fringe and totally singes her fringe off. And it was missing. And as I was thinking about the danger of the wrong power, it had the wrong power source, so it overheated and cut her hair right off. The wrong power in your life can be very, very dangerous. Don't allow your life and your message to be one of yourself. Let's go back to Jesus Christ and see what Jesus Christ has done and will do in our lives. Our principle, finally, is this. Jesus' salvation set me apart to grow more Christ-like. Let's go out and live a life that is different as a result. Not to earn our salvation, but because of our salvation. And let's see what Christ can do in us and through us to reach our community and reach our families as well. Why don't you stand with me as we close in prayer.